love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with my co-host Haley Chura. And Haley, this was a big weekend for endurance sports and marathon in particular. One of my favorite weekends to like spectate racing, and then I forgot to spectate. <laughs> I, like, Wait, you forgot to like the New York City Marathon? Is that what you're talking about? Well, I like, knew you forgot it was to happening. virtually spectate. I or... forgot to. I forgot that well, it was well, like. Did you forget we... your trip to New York City? Yeah. <laughs> No, I was not going to spectate in person. Um, I forgot that now we live in a world where elite races do actually get covered and are sometimes broadcast live on television. And I could have watched that race live. Um, and I didn't. And instead I had like the website pulled up with like the live results so I could like track my athlete who was running and then also kind of see what was unfolding. But um, and then all of a sudden at like 1130 in the morning, I was like, wait, I think they were showing something on TV and it had just ended. So that was not ideal. I can tell you that. But, um, what about you? Did you get to catch any of the, the marathon coverage? I did. I watched almost all of it. My sister was actually in town and she ran the New York city marathon last year. So it was kind of cool. She like definitely like knew the course and had a lot of memories from just a year ago being there. So she kind of, I got like insider scoop because I've never run it myself. Have you run it? No, I have spectated in person. <laughs> <laughs> once, um, and never run never run. I, I honestly am not a huge crowd person. And so doing like the majors for the marathons and things like that, I like, it gives me like, it makes me nervous to even think about being around that many people running. So I've done Boston a few times, but I really, I don't know. I think I would go run the course on my own or something. and much prefer that to like racing amongst all those people, but I love to watch other people racing among all those people, which is the weird part of it all. So, so yeah, I don't know. Do you want to run there one day? Yeah, I would love to. New York is definitely on my list. And I think that, uh, you know, it looks really hard. And this year, you know, with the 70 degree weather, which I know is really hard for a standalone marathon. Uh, you know, it was wild watching it. I think, uh, who we saw Sharon Locati won from, uh, Kenya. Is that right? And I believe she so, yeah. had like, uh, it was fun to watch her. And then it was like Saul Peter was second who, if anyone remembers from the Olympic marathon was the woman who kind of cramped, she was in bronze medal contention and cramped in the final miles and Molly Seidel from the USA, you know, clenched that bronze medal. So I felt for her, you know, in that moment, even though I really wanted Molly to win, you know, my USA pride, but it was great to see her get second in New York. So obviously it has bounced back from the cramping issue that she had in Tokyo. But I think that, uh, I think it was fun to watch. I, I think I did watch the coverage and I, you know, it, after the beginning, you know, it was hard to spot any of the American women. So I was like kind of going on back and forth the app, which is not that good. It only was like showing the top five. And I was like, where's Alephine? You know, where's, um, you know, Steph Bruce and just all the other people, Kira D'Amato, the, all the other American women that I really want to Rojas, who has been on the podcast. She was running. Yeah. Yeah. She ended up finishing 10th. Is like, that right? So, yeah. so Alephine was seventh. I think Emma Bates eighth and then Nell Rojas 10th. Des Linden was leading for a while. I know she wasn't super happy with her result. I think she finished 16th, um, but it was fun. Like the parts that I got to see were very fun. And then I, 
you know, as you talk about relating to athletes and all that kind of thing, uh, watching the Brazilian man who was leading for like 20 miles and then laid down on the side of the road, like that was heartbreaking. I mean, it's, it was just, <laughs> we've all been there, not in that, not, not, not while leading the New York city marathon, but it was just, you could tell the hot pace plus the weather probably really got to him. So hopefully he's okay, but that is sports. Oh my gosh. Like the heartbreak for sure. Yeah. These like hot days, um, up in Vermont, we had, it was 77, I think on Saturday afternoon when we were having dinner outside. So it was definitely, I mean, and I just feel like if it was that hot where I am up North, then New York was probably, quite challenging for a marathon. And it's kind of that unexpected thing, right? You're training for New York city marathon. Like mentally you're like, it's going to be perfect weather November. And you know, um, New York is often like perfect running weather. And so it's just tough to like get your race day forecast, I think, and do that mental shift. And it's, you know, your body just, it's hard. It's really hard. So if people had a good run there, you, they should feel extra proud of themselves and maybe go enter some other hot races because it's probably a good sign that they're built for it. I know I had a few athletes racing the Disney races in Florida, which have you ever done one of those? No, no. That's your, yeah, your crowds thing. But, um, I, I haven't either. And I, I don't know if I had a huge desire, but kind of really following them and looking at all their fun outfits. And then they sent me photos of like, they get really good post-race photos from those Disney races. And then they're all like these photos with characters. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not like a huge Disney fan, but maybe I should be, I don't know, but it did look really warm there too. And I had another athlete in Texas and I think doing a swim run event. And, um, I think that was pretty warm too. So the only place that seems like it was not warm was Bozeman, Montana. We have like a lot of snow falling down right now. So definitely not a uh, record high humidity and high temps here in, in Bozeman, but I think I was just holding it down well for the rest of the country. Sorry, Haley, we have um, a UPS driver in in the driveway and the dogs are are going crazy. So I'm trying to spare the listeners all of the commotion that's been going on. Um, I have another question <laughs> that's crowd related. Um, you know, if you're, your avoidance of crowds, understandable, but did you pre-register for Taylor Swift tour tickets? <laughs> this is not triathlon related, unless maybe you're going to like run your way there. Are you going to run your way to the nearest Taylor Swift uh, venue? So I did look at the tour dates and she is coming to Boston. Um, and so again, I, I don't know. I haven't, I didn't commit myself to pre-register. No. So do you think but sometimes because I have an American Express card, it, like sometimes you get the fake it's capital the one. Oh no, wrong one. You need oh, capital no. one. Oh no, Taylor's that's not her partner. Gonna, that's the me. Taylor partner. She doesn't Uh-oh. care about it. She doesn't care about your Amex. I know. I feel like sometimes I would get concert abil- availability through that, but um, but no. And part of that, Haley, is because my you know I'm in off season right now, and so. I, I've just been like sitting kind of waiting for some mental inspiration to what I will be doing next year and what I'll be racing. And it just hasn't struck me yet. And I, you know, feel like there's a lot of things I can't slot into place like Taylor Swift concerts until I kind of have a general framework for like racing. And like, will I even be fun that night? Or am I going to be wanting to go to bed at seven in that evening? You know? So 
I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of where I am with that. But more importantly, did you register? I don't imagine. She's oh, coming. yes. How close does she come to Bozeman? She oh, nowhere close. Okay. Nowhere close. <laughs> I had a very busy morning when that announcement came up and I have like my, my, my sister, um, my sister who had lover fest tickets. So she has like a little bit of priority and then my friend Megan and I have my other friend, Diane, we all were like texting. So I think between the four of us, you know, we have Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Atlanta. Um, I'll send it for Vegas and I think Chicago, you know, just throwing them out there. Just, Whoa. You know, I, so I, <laughs> I feel like I have a pretty good shot. The other thing is I got a little priority because my sister wanted the vinyl record for her birthday. So I had ordered that from the Taylor Swift store and I got an email that that gave me a little priority. So um, I didn't go as far as getting a capital one card. I thought about it, but <laughs> I don't need another credit card. Um, and I think that would backfire, but no, we are, we are prepared, you know, November 14th, you find out like what I think, like if you're going to get to buy them and then you get to buy them on the 15th. So like, I, that is like in my calendar and you know, whatever date comes out, I will make my rate, my race schedule work. Yeah. No, that is I what I have decided. <laughs> I think that's a totally appropriate strategy as well, which I, and I have a long, I have a long bit of traveling no matter what. So it was just like one of those things where I was like, Oh, let's go somewhere fun. But, um, yeah, so I'll keep you posted, but what do you think of the, the album? Have you had a chance to listen to the new midnight's album? So I do. And I have to say that my favorite songs are the, the 3 AM edition. I really am glad that she did those bonus tracks for the 3 AM edition. And like those last seven I think it is right or like the I think some of the best that she's done um but I am I have been having it on repeat just to make sure I'm really like going to memorize all of the words to every song um and I think it's I mean it's just I don't want to say standard Taylor but it is it's like a good solid album that like you could put any song on and I'm happy and I'll sing along to it and I'm like yeah you know she she gets it I agree I had a a fairly long, like hour and a half treadmill run, which is long for me. Just the weather was so bad. And I got to the treadmill and like, for some reason, like my phone wouldn't pair with my headphones. And I was like, I was like having a panic attack. Like I was just like, what, what? No, <laughs> like, I'm going to go an hour. I mean, I, I will go an hour and a half with no, and there's like no ambient music playing in this gym. So it would just been like me listening to the breathing of the man next to me, which just makes me like dislike him, <laughs> even though I'm breathing hard. I'm totally hypocritical in that. But, um, it took me like, I like, like turned off my, you know, put my the AirPods back in the case, turned off my phone. I was like trying to reset everything. And then finally I got it playing. And the only thing I like, it started playing Taylor Swift and I was like, perfect. This is all I need in life. And I was like afraid to hit skip or anything. Not that I need to skip, but you know, sometimes I, I do skip some of the slower songs or the sadder songs. Well, for um, treadmill time, that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Just because it is one of those things where I'm like, I, I don't need to be sad right now, but it's. I, I mean, I can run to it, so I'll take it. Um, definitely, you know, a bright spot in my my November. I guess it technically came out in October, but it's been bright into my November as well. So thank you, Taylor. <laughs> I can't, I cannot wait to hear where you're going to be traveling to see Taylor next year. This is going to be great. I know, I know. I'll keep everyone posted. And Haley, we do have the Outspoken Awards are coming up this week. So the Outspoken Summit, Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. Is that the proper name? 
I don't think it's just triathlon anymore. It's like oh, yeah. everything. Outspoken, yeah. Outspoken everything. I'll, I should, I, we should look this up, but the outspoken, everyone knows if you're listening to this podcast, you know, the outspoken summit and it is happening this weekend and the outspoken awards will be on Facebook. They'll be streamed live on November 13th. And so if you're listening to this in the days that it comes out before Sunday, November 13th. Go down to the show notes, click on the link to RSVP to the Facebook um, event, I think, and just RSVP going on that. And so that way, when you log into Facebook on Sunday, it'll alert you when it's going on and you just go boop, can watch the live stream happening. It is going to be at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain, 10 a.m. Pacific on Sunday, November 13th. So that's always a fun time. Really great if people nominated um anyone for those awards which we called for gosh two months ago now um you can see who won and it's always a fun time yeah and so it's this is the facebook you do not have to be a member of the actual summit anyone can can watch the facebook uh awards show for free is that right yes correct yep it'll be general public admission to that one Awesome. So everyone get on your, get on your Facebook this Sunday, see if uh, the incredible woman that you nominated wins. And even if they don't win, at least, you know, you can see them nominated and uh, see who, who does win. But I, I enjoy watching the outspoken awards. Like I've seen them in person and I've watched them on Facebook and it is just like a fun time. And Haley, we, we have an empty mailbag right now. I think people must've gotten so excited their mailbag episode last month that now they just are like questionless or something, but I know there's questions out there. Um, so everyone can send in your questions to our mailbag at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We'll fill that back up. Okay. But I think you, you had something special planned in place of a mailbag this week, right? Are we going to get Alyssa's off season workout of the week? Cause I think I, I did argue that I think a lot of our listeners are probably in a similar situation, situation to you. Like they're kind of, maybe they've come off of a big race, Kona 70.3 worlds or New York city marathon or whatever, whatever they had going on. Um, and then they're, you know, maybe taking a break or just coming back from a break, not totally sure what their race schedule is next year, or maybe they have races next year, but they're not there for a little bit of, of they're a while out, you know, but you're trying to keep yourself motivated. So can you share what, what you're up to right now? Do you have a, a workout that you've done that was a uh, kind of fun or exciting or, or not? Maybe you just like, tell us why we do the boring stuff right now. <laughs> so I do, you know, off season workouts for me are definitely less structured and we do get a lot of questions on the podcast. I think from people of asking like how to balance, um, you know, maybe a running goal with triathlon or maybe how to balance uh trail running with triathlon or a lot this year we've seen how do you balance like mountain biking and gravel riding with triathlon right and I do enjoy mountain biking and I do enjoy riding gravel in some scenarios mostly mountain biking <laughs> I haven't grown gravel riding hasn't grown on me quite as much but I do love the option and it doesn't fit really well into like those big builds of triathlon season when you're on your time trial bike, you got to be on the roads doing the efforts, all that. So this like off season workout of the week is super unstructured. It is what I've been doing on my Saturdays for the last month or so now. And it is, um, 
two and a half to three hours of bike of your choice. And I love this for off season because it gives you or me in my instance, um, the flexibility to pick, like, finally, if I want to just only be on my mountain bike now and get that out of my system, because I've missed it so much, I can be on my mountain bike for these rides. Um, I could ride gravel. If friends are riding gravel, I could take my trial bike out and go for some Strava segments. If that's like, if my legs feel good and I wanted to do that. Right. So I think having that like flexibility built into the plan where it can be kind of a choice workout and you get to mix in some of the other things that you don't get to use quite as much during triathlon season is part of why I come out of off season, feeling ready to focus, feeling refreshed and able to like put in 110% mentally and physically into some of the things that I do during the like proper season. And so that's my favorite workout these Saturdays. And it has helped that the weather's been nice enough to be riding outside. I will say that. Um, but hey, what it would is, you do, it's like, what would you do if the weather wasn't nice? Will you ride on the trainer? Zwift it? I would Zwift it. Probably. I would probably, um, probably try to see how I felt Zwift racing again. It's been a little while, but um, I also feel like, you know, with off season, the, the bar is like low, right? It's like, I expect myself to not really race super well if I jump into a Zwift race at this point with my fitness. And so like, if I did better than expected, it's like a bonus and it's like, I'm already expecting pretty low fitness. So I, you know, if it's par for course, then it's par for course. And I got the sweat in and then I'm done for the day. Right. So, um, I would, I would this- do that. I might still ride gravel or something outside. And if it's, not too bad of rain. I don't know. Yeah. Is it, uh, is, is this like, would you, do you run off the bike this time of year or is this ride only? It is ride only. So definitely ride only. Um, I'm doing some like swim, swim run bricks. Those are kinds of a staple really year round, but I do a lot of swim run bricks to kind of just maintain some endurance without having to run a lot of miles. Um, but my, swim do you run is, from the pool? Do you slow. like run in your, in your swimsuit? No, you get out and you change as fast as you can. And then now around here, most days I'm like stuffing my wet hair into a big fluffy winter hat, you know, so my hair wouldn't freeze or like, isn't too cold. And then, um, you can jump on the treadmill, um, which sometimes I would do, but it is, it's pretty like nice kind of weather. It's a little chilly sometimes, but yeah, it's, and then like, you can switch up which pool you swim at and then you have different running routes and things like that, which is nice. You know, I don't know um, what that's like having multiple pools, but um. well, they, I know, I don't mean to, to rub this in your face, but I will say Haley, I have been excited these, this last month because they reopened the Dartmouth pool for the public to be able to use. And it's like really weird hours, but they kind of work for my schedule between like 10 AM and 2 PM. They have lap swimming. And so I have been able to swim at the Dartmouth pool sometimes. And I love college pools because I think like the inspiration there is just like so high because it's like the record boards, all of that. And then just like the young energy of the people is always really inspiring to me. And so, although yesterday when I was there, there were these two women there and I mean, I'm assuming they were Dartmouth students and they were like, they had a nice camera and like one of them was like floating, like in the pool doing like, I think they were definitely getting some Instagram content for like swimming pictures, but not swimming pictures. It was like model in the pool pictures. And then I'm like splashing along in the lane next to them. Swimming band only like, whoops, sorry. Hope that's you, not interfering. You add to the, to the ambiance. It's a real yeah. pool. 
Um, but, oh, that does sound kind of, that does sound nice. So, um, I'm glad I'm happy for you. I am happy for you. I don't know if I, did I say this, that the pool has reopened in Bozeman, which is nice. Oh no, that is, that's great news. Yeah. So our 50 meter indoor pool and also, uh, you know, it had, it would usually have a bulkhead in this time of year, but they discovered when they like drained it and fixed the roof that, the bulkhead was causing the pool to leak water. And so they have to like fundraise for a new bulkhead. And I am not, I'm not donating, <laughs> which I know is terrible. I know for the children, I should want them to have a bulkhead so they can swim, you know, short course yards, that kind of stuff. But long course, I just love it. I love it so much. My swimming is so much better. Um, and so I'm a little selfish right now. Maybe someday I'll like wake up and feel a little more altruistic and think about the future, but like as in the future generations, but right now it's just my present. I think that's, I think what you're doing right now with the iron women podcast, I think we think about the future. Maybe when I that. retire, I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, now I'll help you fundraise. Just give me a few more years, but um, well, thank you for sharing that. I think that, you know, that helps a lot of our listeners understand like, you know, why they're doing certain workouts that they're doing right now. And they're probably in this similar boat, but maybe they'll pull out the gravel bike or, um, mountain bike, embrace some cooler temps and, uh, or join a, a Zwift race with lower expectations. I think that's a, that's a healthy thing to do as well. And Haley, we do have a great interview today. Today, we're talking to Sonia Catano, and she was very recently 17th at St. George 70.3 World Champion, well, World Championship, 70.3 World Championships in St. George, I should say. <laughs> um, and we get to find out from her exactly how cold it was. So we're answering the biggest question on everyone's mind coming out of that race. And we find out a lot more about Sonia as well. Um, she has a real job. So she tells us about balancing training and work her racing this past year. She has been fourth several times and we're watching her just kind of claw up that podium at these 70.3s towards the podium. And we're excited to hear about, um, you know, her take on that and what she has coming up in the future. So we will hear from Sonia next. No matter where you are at in your swimming journey, Orca has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. Use code IRONWOMEN15 for 15% off all items at orca.com. Hi, Sonia. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hello. So we are talking to you just three days, four days. I don't know. It depends how you want to count the days, I guess. Um, after the 70.3 World Championships in St. George, Utah, where you finished 17th in the world. So first, congratulations. Um, how are you feeling just a few days after racing? Thank you. Um, I think I might still be cold. That was obviously the topic, but uh, good. Yeah, that I did better than I ever thought I could have done um, in that race. I mean, my, my, I had some pretty ambitious goals, but that definitely exceeded them. So I'm still on a little bit of a high and my legs are still sore from the hills. So still feeling it. <laughs> 
watching the race, the cold was definitely a big topic of the day and you're from new England. So you, you're not a stranger to the cold. What was your plan for staying warm? Did you have a plan going into the race? Yeah, I, well, I, I created the plan a couple of days before. Um, it's funny. Everyone says you're from Massachusetts. You should be used to this, but we don't go swimming in the water when it's 36 degrees. And then we definitely don't go on a bicycle after with minimal clothing. So I, I don't think I was necessarily any more prepared. Um, but yeah, I, I borrowed a bunch of cold weather gear from my aunt. Um, cause I don't go outside unless it's over 60 degrees on the bike. I love the trainer uh, and that I might've regretted that choice kind of leading up to this. Um, so I, I just kind of threw together a bit of cold weather gear and hoped that that was going to suffice. Um, bought some like what, like we're talking gloves. We're talking a jacket. Yeah. I I used gloves. Um, and I made sure they were big enough so that I could put the hand warmers in them. Cause I also have, um, a syndrome called Raynaud's. And so I lose circulation in my fingers and my toes really easily. And I don't get it back unless I'm really warm. Um, so I was, I was a little nervous about that going in because I would, was afraid I wouldn't be able to shift or break. So I had hand warmers in my gloves. Um, and then I opted for, um, and I was able to stick hand warmers between the shoe and the toe warmer. So they were like a little pocket of warmth when I put the feet in there, which was really nice. Um, I feel I- like the hand warmers were like key. I heard of people like stuffing them down their tri suits and like, yeah, yeah. I think we could have bought some stock before race day for, the hand warmer corporation. <laughs> yeah. I am glad I brought it with me too, because at Walmart, they were sold out when I was just going to see if there was anything else there. Um, and they were, you know, everyone's trying to find them. So that was, that was, I was very lucky. My husband was there to support me and I didn't have any extra hand warmers for him. And I wasn't willing to share. Cause I <laughs> felt like the race hand warmers were a priority. Yeah. I did think- you feel okay? Like I, did you feel okay on the bike then? No, I, I really didn't. It took me about 20 miles to start racing the race. Um, I, I think if I didn't have the arm warmers on, cause my legs were just so cold. Um, I probably wouldn't have finished. Um, so luckily it was just kind of the quads and legs that were suffering. Uh, but I couldn't really get my, my body going for those first 20 miles. Um, I had a couple of women pass me and I was just trying to hold it together. Um, and I, I wasn't really racing at that point. I was like, it's world. So we'll finish the race, but that's it. And then I think I'm done. This is, I don't like this anymore. This isn't fun. Um, and then I finally, the sun warmed us up a bit. So it it made a big difference. So it sounds like you had a good plan for kind of getting warm and staying warm, but on the bike coming out of the water, but let's back up kind of to the start of the race first. Um, can you walk us through how it all played out for you? you know, even just those start line nerves, were you pretty nervous to be towing the line at your first 70.3 world championship? Yes, I was so nervous. And I think that played a little bit into my swim. It was, I had a fine swim, but it was not anything to write home about. Um, I think that was the largest start list I've ever had, uh, including when I was doing draft legal as well. I think the most women I've raced against is probably 35 or 40. So just having that many people, I was a little afraid of kind of having the ITU start where everyone's punching and kicking and biting and trying to um, fight for position. But it, it, it was a very respectful start. I was right behind Taylor Nib and Lucy Charles. So I was also fangirling it at the same time as trying to focus on my own race. Um, but it was it was a good start. They let us wear our kind of cold weather clothing up until really the very end. Thank goodness. So I had panic bought some knockoff Uggs and mittens at Walmart before because I didn't want to lose anything that I loved wearing. 
Um, so I was, I was pretty bundled up to start. So I, I kept pretty warm before. Um, and I think we were given a five minute swim warm up, which a few women took advantage of, but I was not going to get in there until we had to. Um, and I think the water was about 62. So it was on the chilly side, but with a wetsuit, it wasn't too terrible. And coming out, you, you said you weren't super pumped with your swim, um, but you came out of the bike, you were at least done with, or came out of the swim and at least we're done with like the coldest part in theory, right? You're going into kind of dry land where hopefully you could start getting a little bit warmer as you went. So uh, what about the dynamics on the bike? How did that kind of play out for you? Yeah, I definitely on the swim, I knew I was missing that chase pack. Um, and I, I had a funny feeling I wouldn't be able to catch them on the bike either. Um, so I had a few women pass me sort of getting off on the bike and in transition because I practice getting my arm warmers on wet. And then in the moment, it just wasn't working the way I wanted it to. And that was the only time I had a camera in my face too. And I was like, of course, so here's Sonia fumbling with her arm warmers, trying to stay warm. And I don't know how some women didn't put anything on. Um, kudos to them for being able to handle that. Cause I, I definitely was worth the time that I took, but um, I got on the bike and like I said, I was just really cold and I was really struggling to, to kind of keep it up. And every time someone went past me, I was like, all right, we'll try and stick with this person. And I couldn't quite keep it. Um, and then I finally stuck with somebody um, and was able to just hang on until I started to feel my legs again, felt like I was racing. Uh, but definitely the first 20, 20 miles of that bike, I was just trying to get by and hope the sun warmed us up a little bit more. And so then you're on the run and I guess by then temperatures are probably like ideal running temperatures, right? Yeah. So, and this is, that's kind of what you want, but you don't want to have to suffer through all the cold to get it. But, um, you know, how are you feeling at that point then going into the run and, uh, yeah, what was your strategy then? Yeah, I felt really good. Um, usually, I mean, the run's definitely not my strongest discipline and it's been a huge work in progress. Um, usually for me, the wheels fall off at about eight miles. Um, so the fact that that didn't happen was a big win and I didn't, I, I felt strong from start to finish and had pretty even pacing too, which on a challenging kind of hilly course was nice. Um, I don't think I sweat at all. It, so it was really kind of prime temperatures for not feeling too hot at all. And I, I don't love racing in the heat either. So that was, that was definitely the ideal run conditions for me. Um, and coming off the bike down, you know, after going up snow Canyon and there's just this huge descent, I feel like I could get my legs back together after the last part of the snow Canyon climb. And so they felt really strong. Um, and it was just, it was a steady run. I, I don't think I've ever, I've had one other run where I felt like, oh, this is what it feels like to race really to the finish. Um, and it was nice to have that at a world setting too, to really have that, that consistency there. Absolutely. What about that grass running on that didn't, golf course? Didn't love that much. Um, I, I knew it was coming. I, I hadn't checked out the course there. My husband and I drove it the day before, but we obviously couldn't drive on the golf course. Um, and as much as it was short grass, it was still pretty unstable. Uh, so that just sort of threw and, and the hills in the golf course were short, but steep. So the combo between that and the grass really kind of beat the legs up a bit more than I was expecting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fun dynamic. It made it feel a little almost cross country-esque as we were going. Um, but yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be that much grass. And you sound pleased with 17th and I think third American woman, right? Yeah. I only realized that a few days after I was looking at the results. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's pretty exciting. So that, that was a really nice, nice kind of way to finish off, uh, I don't know, somewhat stressful, but nerve wracking weekend. I was definitely pretty nervous going in. Did you get to watch the men's race at all? 
I didn't. We I booked our flights out on Saturday. Um, so I we were driving back to Vegas and I'm like getting these updates and trying to tag along. And my coach was sending me texts because he was watching the live stream and I was like, I need to know how they're doing. Um, but we both had work on Monday and having traveled most of the week and taken Friday off. We just wanted to be able to have Sunday at home to kind of reset and regroup a bit, but it would have been fun to watch. Yeah. But tell us a little bit more about your background. You mentioned coming in through draft legal ITU, which I think now is WTS racing. Um, how did you get started in triathlon? Yeah, I guess I started pretty young. We, our local YMCA always had a kid's try. So I kind of always did it. I don't know, every summer when I was really little, um, and then my aunt and uncle have always been, had always been doing triathlons as well. Um, so in the summers I would do triathlons. I grew up a swimmer, um, and I swam in college too, but I would do triathlons just to stay in shape over the summer. Um, on the local scene, we have, we have quite a few around here in Massachusetts, which was nice. Um, and I graduated college, um, and worked overseas for a year and I didn't swim or bike at all. Uh, but when I came back, I kind of got back into it just to stay in shape. And a local coach reached out to me just saying like, Oh, I think you have a lot of potential. You could get your elite license. I had no idea what that was, but I kind of hooked up with him to train and have a little more just discipline to that. Cause I was just going for bike rides or going for runs and I wouldn't bike through the winter either. Cause I was cold. Um, and yeah, we worked together uh, through the winter and I got my elite license at Claremont, the draft legal race in Florida in the spring. Um, I think that was 2017. And so I raced draft legal with him um, and then another coach after for a couple of years. And I started doing long course last year because um, there were just a bunch more in the U.S. than draft legal. And with COVID and everything, it was a lot easier I was willing to try something new. Um, I didn't really love the swim or having to work on the bike to just have everyone pass me on the run. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Where did you go to college? Where'd you swim for? Um, I went to WPI. So it's a small engineering school in central Massachusetts. Um, yeah, it, we were D3. It, I did the mile, but we were not. I was just going to ask what your event was. Yeah. I'm always curious to that. That seems like a good setup to get into long course triathlon from, or a triathlon of any kind. And do you still think that you will kind of do any WTS racing or are you thinking solely focused on long course at this point? Definitely long course. I, I, my first, I did a half in I think April last year and I was wildly unprepared. Um, so in the middle of the race, if you had asked me, I would have said I was quitting the sport in general. Um, but after I feel like as we all do 24 hours later, I was looking for the next one and it was so much more fun. I definitely was built for long course, not sprinting. Um, and just the whole dynamic between not drafting on the bike and the swims being a little bit more low key and not as aggressive. Um, I just enjoyed it a lot more and it's nice to have a new challenge too. You set that my next question up really nicely because as I was looking up your results, you know, 2021 was your first year racing professionally in long course, uh, non-draft racing. And if you look at like the progression of your races, it's pretty much like a textbook linear progression of places that you were getting, right? And like it's just every race, it seems like you get one step higher, kind of like chip away a little bit more at something. And so you're, you've just been steadily inching your way up to the podium, which I feel like will be happening any day now for you. So is that how it's felt for you? Like, have you just felt like you come away from each race with a learning moment that you take to the next one and that puts you a step higher or does it feel like a little bit more chaotic than that? 
Yeah, I think it feels pretty, I mean, it's, it definitely doesn't feel linear, but it's felt pretty methodical. Um, kind of just between more training, I, I was injured all through 2019 and then 2020 was COVID. So the lack of motivation and everything there and the lack of swimming. Um, but just being able to have now a year and a half, two years of consistent training under my belt, I feel like that's also helped. Um, but just learning, I mean, that's definitely something with long course, whether it's nutrition or learning about new gear or just how to, how to train for these races better. Um, I feel like that's helped me just kind of steadily progress. I kind of try to implement that each race, each new race. Um, so I, I feel, feel like based on that, uh, I think I have gone up in one podium every single race, but world sort of threw that for a loop, but that's okay. I wasn't expecting to come in third. So <laughs> Uh, you mentioned being wildly unprepared for that first 70.3 that you did. And it sounds like, you know, you have learned. So if someone is like thinking about doing their first 70.3, would you say like, you know, just jump in there and you learn as you go? Is that kind of your, your message? Um, I would definitely take more than six weeks to train for it. Cause that's what I did. I mean, I obviously was trained for racing, but I had done a sprint six weeks before. And then I talked to my coach and we're like, all right, yeah, we can make this work. Um, I could not make that work, but I, I, yeah, I, I feel like it's just such an experience and it's such a learning experience and you, you don't really know until you get in there and ignorance was definitely bliss for me. I had no idea what I was getting into and I was still on a road bike for that race with clip on aero bars. Um, so, you know, a little bit of gear preparation too, of what works for long course better than just short course. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like the fun, part of the fun of it for me has just been learning each race, what I can do better. Um, in addition to obviously trying to train more consistently and smarter. Um, but since then it's, it's been exciting to kind of see how far I can go with just new gear or a better position on the bike. Um, but yeah. The slow acquiring of gear is key to triathlon. <laughs> Every yes. time it seems like some more could be helpful. Um, and your season this year started back in March with Clash Miami, I believe. So are you ready for the off season? You're kind of talking like you're ready for the off season, but maybe you have some more racing plans. So um, it, yeah, what, what's it, on it the docket? Kind of funny that that was my first race this season and for anyone else who raced it too and raced worlds because that was... I think a traumatically hot race where there was a lot of carnage and this was a traumatically cold race with a lot of carnage as well or a bit of carnage um so definitely two polar opposites at the end of the season but no I'm hoping um to race Clash Daytona uh I think it's December 2nd um and have that sort of wrap up my season um so that's just another month of training and I'm pretty motivated after Worlds uh that that definitely gave me the little extra motivation I needed to finish off the season strong um, and then it'll be time for the off season. And in terms of off season, kind of what does that usually look like for you? Do you like, you know, you are in Massachusetts, are you, I assume you're biking through the off season now at least, but, um, yeah, what's your like top priority when it comes to getting a bit of a break? I think for me spending, especially cause I, my husband and I just spent the past two years in Colorado, um, and we're both originally from New England. So this year, we're really hoping to just spend a bit more time with friends and family, because um, this is where we're from. And now we're finally back. Uh, and we're going um, to Germany for two weeks on vacation. Well, kind of a work vacation for both of us. So that'll be just a nice forced break from swimming and biking, since I'm not bringing any of my stuff with me. Um, but yeah, just just extra time spending with family, especially with the holidays, too. It's kind of nice to be able to relax and just enjoy that. 
And Sonia, what is, what do you, or do you have tips for handling the cold training through the winter in New England? And I guess even in Colorado, um, it sounds like you like the trainer. Are you also a treadmill fan? I'm not a treadmill fan, which is really funny. I love the trainer and I hate the treadmill. I will run in just about any possible condition outside. Um, but I've, I've learned to get better at it because I know there are definitely benefits to it as opposed to running out in the ice and snow and conditions like that. Um, but I do love the trainer. I don't know what, ever since I started, um, I'd only really started riding the trainer when I got my, my pro card. Uh, cause before I just wouldn't bike through the winter and here when it starts to snow, you really can't get outside. I know there are some people that train outside and uh, kudos to them, but that's just never been my forte. Um, but yeah, I feel like I can just get into a good zone. I think if I had a treadmill at home, I'd probably be able to get into the zone a bit more. Um, but I do just love the long grind. Those are my kind of workouts. And so what about motivation wise? Like when the days are cold and dark, do you have any tips that you can offer our listeners for staying motivated? Um, I think distractions, those are always nice. I love to listen to music or watch Netflix, but I love training and I love the sport. And so I think always just trying to think of why you're doing it. That's, that definitely helps me um, and just kind of keeps me going because they can be long and they can be dark. <laughs> for most of us, I think around here. So it's already um, getting dark so early, geez. I think. <laughs> yeah. But you know, just kind of the little reminders of why or signing up for a race and that, that always gets me motivated. Cause I just know there's an end goal, even if it is a ways away. And do you do anything specific, like going into Daytona say, and you're coming from a colder environment? I mean, I'm in Vermont and it's chilly, right? Like the mornings are cold. <laughs> the days are, you know, 60 at best, I feel like at this point. So do you do anything for heat prep? Like, will you do anything for heat prep going into Daytona? Yeah, I'm sure a couple of weeks before. So probably starting soon, we'll do a bit of heat prep, just trying to keep it warm and maybe a bit more humid too. Um, I have a little space heater, so I'll take that down with me and just layering on the gear and not using the fan, even though I love my fan. Um, and then probably a few more runs on the treadmill than normal, just so that I can stay a bit warmer than I would outside. Um, but yeah, for the most part, that's, that's what we do. And I feel like it's worked decently well for me in the past. And you talked a little bit about coaches and maybe switching coaches as you got into long course or something. So I, I think maybe my Instagram stalking, maybe, um, I we'll see how good this is that you're coached by Ken Axford now. Yep. Um, he also coaches the fellow, uh, another pro and iron women podcast guest, Sophie Watts. Yes. Um, and so how long have you been working with him and like, how did that kind of come about? Yeah, I've been with Ken for, I think, a little over four years now, um, and he he's the second coach I've had, um, and I was just looking for a change, uh, and I, I don't really know how I stumbled. I think I saw him at a bunch of races, and he was also coaching a friend of mine, um, so I pretty much called him up and was like, I, you know, do you want to coach me, and we hit it off. Uh, we definitely have a very similar personality and, and mentality when it comes to training and racing. Um, and that's worked well for us over the past four years, for sure. Uh, and he sort of transitioned with long course into long course with me and, and Sophie too. I feel like she sort of trans transitioned at the same time about two years ago. Uh, so he's been on the learning journey with us, but he's always a wealth of information and can give us so many tips on it. So it's, it's been a great, great partnership that we've had. And you've mentioned a couple of times your quote unquote real job and even a, a work vacation in Germany. So what is it that you do? Yeah, I, I, so I had quit my job originally. I worked for three years out of college full-time. Um, I 
studied as an engineer, but I've never really worked engineering. I've always been kind of marketing or event management. Um, and then this past winter, when we moved back to Massachusetts, I got a job at a local university. So I work in the Center for German and European Studies, and we do um, a bunch of events on just German and European relations with the U.S. I lived in Germany when I was little, so I speak German, so it's nice to be able to have that connection again. Um, and then I'm also an admin for the Humanities Division. Uh, so it's a nice, I, I don't have to work full time, I work about five or six hours a day, um, which is a lot better than when I was working the nine to five. That was just a, two hours too many to be able to fit in enough training. Um, but it's a nice separation from triathlon. I, I've always enjoyed working and kind of just having that environment where no one really knows about triathlon and no one's asking what I'm doing on a daily basis or how tired I am. Um, so it's been, it's been good. And I, I can work mostly remotely. So that gives me a lot of flexibility as well. And you might be able to hide your triathlon forever because people won't see your goggle marks. If you're remote, you can hide those a little easier too. <laughs> yes, yep, for sure. And your Instagram um, bio says that you're a big fan of sleep. So I know a lot of pros <laughs> are fans of sleep after all the hard work, like Dee Dee Griesbauer, she puts on social media a lot, like all of her big sleep numbers. And I'm always kind of amazed at these because, um, I can't seem to like sleep that long, even if I try, but so are you like a really big, long sleeper? How many hours of sleep do you get per night? I'm not a good long sleeper, but I am a really good napper. Uh, and when I wasn't working, um, I would pretty much go swim. I'm a, very much into early riser. So I love getting up at 435 swim. I would have breakfast. And then by the time nine or 10 o'clock rolled around, I'd go and take a nap for two hours or so pretty religiously every day. Um, and that worked out really well for me because I just have a hard time getting in 10 or 11 hours at night. Like I know some people can. Um, and I just, I love to nap and I can nap just about anywhere. Well, do you have any nap tips? Like, do you do an eye mask? Do you do blackout curtains? How do you do it? Or you I, just fall asleep? I just put a fan on, that's enough for me to oh. be able to, or any sort of noise kind of yeah. canceling. Um, it doesn't need to be dark. I used to, when I worked full time, I was about 10 minutes away from our house. So I would drive home during my lunch break and nap. And everyone's like, why do you always go home for lunch? And I was like, ah, I just, you know, I need to prepare stuff. I'm sleeping. Um, and then I would drive back and go back to work. So. Sonia, we're talking to you on Halloween and I believe you have a new home and you're getting ready to welcome some trick-or-treaters. So tell us about your Halloween setup. What kind of candy are you giving out? Are, are you going to dress up as well? Yeah, I have a chicken onesie, which I know that's not very scary or Halloween-ish, but I love my chicken onesie because I love chickens. So I'm very excited. We have a lot of really little kids on the street too. So I don't want to scare them, um, but I will be dressed up in my chicken onesie and good variety of candy. I got the good stuff. I need to also make sure that they're, you know, the M&Ms, the Reese's, but you get the sweet tarts and stuff for people that don't like chocolate. I don't understand that, but I respect it. Um, and I'm pretty excited. I hope we get a good showing. I've got all my pumpkins set up, um, got the spiders and some lights. So they'll know. I, yeah, I am. I live in like the country. So someone would have to walk really far to get to our house. So I am jealous of people who would have trick-or-treaters. I think Haley gets some trick-or-treaters as well. Oh, I've had like um, one or two in seven years. No, I oh, really? Like yeah. I think because I, I live in a condo. So I think it's like, yeah, intimidating. but I have true. some candy just in case. And, um, I think I might give some to, there's a couple kids across the street. So they're dressed up, they're dressing up as Legos. I've already seen it. Well, that's, oh, that's a good costume. 
Yeah. It's really cute. So I have some candy for them, if nothing else. But I know I, I'm a couple blocks over, like the single family homes. They get like so many. It's fun, fun to watch them. But good luck to you. Good luck to you handing out that candy. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> if I don't give any away, I get the honor of eating it all. So that's the other side of the coin. It's definitely going to be good training fuel. I feel like coming off of world championships and going into Daytona, your like engines probably burning full steam. So you can use all the Halloween candy to fuel the workouts that you have left um, here. No regrets. But thanks so much for sharing more about your day in St. George. We really, you know, love to hear about it. I'd love to hear about the cold and not have to experience it myself. That's for sure. Um, And we wish you all the best as you get ready for Daytona next month. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. So Haley, we had recorded that episode going into Halloween. And so that makes me wonder if you were trick-or-treating and you arrived at a house, what is something that you would see in the bowl of treats that would make you know this person's a triathlete? Oh. <laughs> like chamois cream? <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> if you have some betwixt. Um, bike <laughs> grease, maybe a packets of betwixt. <laughs> I don't know what, what I'd, I'd actually, if there was sample packs of betwixt or fun size snicker bars, what would you grab if you were reaching into the bowl? Shammy cream. Yeah. I have plenty of snickers at home. <laughs> I, I, maybe if it was a full size snickers that right, might, well, okay. yeah. that might be hard, but honestly, of those point. two, I'd probably take the shammy cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. No, I think I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Well, um, maybe these are ideas. I didn't, I don't get many trick-or-treaters, so I guess no one really knows that I'm a triathlete here, but, um, I, uh, I did get to see some of the kids out trick-or-treating when I was like riding through downtown, downtown Bozeman does like a big, you know, big thing. And the costumes were so impressive. I was so impressed. Like the, my, one of my favorite ones was like, I saw, and a lot of parents dress up too. And like, I saw these two parents dressed up as like chefs and then they had like a little baby dressed as a meatball and then there's like spaghetti oh. on it. And then like they're holding a colander. I thought that was, that was my favorite. It was very cute. And you know, oh, I love the dog so costumes too. So, yeah. um, you know, little children, dogs, parents that, I don't know, people were, seemed like they were going all out this year. It was exciting. Uh, well, thanks to Sonia for taking time out of her Halloween, um, before all the trick-or-treaters came to talk to us and, Haley, we are coming up on your last race of the season. So I guess I should be wishing you all the best in this last little sharpening time. And um, I guess I'll, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. I'll talk to you next week, Alyssa. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.